Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Fantastic. Well, we'll keep the flow coming. Um, Ali is going to come and talk to us about organisation, but let's be encouraged about what Lynn was talking about. One of the things that's been massively important and pinnacle in my life and what I do now outside of the church is I learned all my skills in the church. I came in as a young man on car park, getting stuck in, on pack down, whatever, wherever there was a need. And these guys slung me on a stage and said, you've got potential. And it's like people seeing gold in you is what this is all about. It's great training ground, not only to serve God and honor God in everything that we do to make a difference in people's lives, but you can use it. It becomes who you are, not just in these four walls. So very, very good, Lynn. Fantastic. Let's get the pastor up, Mr. Ali Kemp. Let's give him a round of applause. Thanks, Si. Okay, I'm going to go reasonably quickly to get everything in within the allotted time, but the big idea is that this recording will uh, be something that we can go back to and review again, as well as being a resource for new people who come on board the Dream Team in the future. If you're new with us, our Dream Team is going to be referenced throughout the next few weeks, uh, and that is our collective phrase for uh, all the various teams that, that make things happen in the life of the church. My job, as Simon said in this second session, is to talk to you about organization. Yeah, I, th- I thought that's how it would go down. Um, Organization that creates strength and depth for us to both efficiently and effectively do our work with God. Whether we realize it or not, organization is all around us. Just look at the house or think about the house that you live in today, for example. The chances are that each room has been organized with a specific function in mind. It might be sleeping, storing, cleaning, eating, or maybe entertaining. There's a, there's a place for everything in your home because it's organized. And we can go right back to the beginning of time, back to creation, Genesis 1, where the world that we live in, we can see, has incredible levels of organization from the minute, militant ants burrowing industriously in the ground to the vast areas of sea that were separated out to create different lands. Organization is beneficial in so many ways and in so many places. Not just in the world, but as we're going to see here, in the church too. So in this teaching, we'll touch on structure and systems in the kingdom and how God uses organization. It's not hard to see that every flowing river needs the structure and sturdiness of its banks. So too, God uses highly organized structures for his spirit to flow through in great measures. In Acts 2, for those of us who have been around the Bible uh, at least some time, we love to read about the early church as an organic model which God suddenly added thousands of believers through dynamic preaching on the day of Pentecost. We should, we should get excited about that, right? Uh, but equally, we should look at Acts 6, just a few chapters on, which shows us an organized model of how a growing church should operate. Acts 2 was the organic and Acts 6 was the organized. In Acts 6, the disciples were neglecting the preaching of God's word to feed widows. So they had to introduce a new team of reliable spiritual 
people, the deacons, to take that extra load. The point being here that we need both the word and the deed. We need them both in operation, as Lynn has just spoken about. But let's also take special note of what happened as a result of this piece of new organization. Acts 6-7 tells us that the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. We could also look at Ephesians 4.11. Lynn's just referenced that, where God instructs us to appoint apostles prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the church for works of service, more evidence of church organization. But we're going to camp for a couple of minutes in the life of Moses. We're going quickly, so you can just read in the screen. Uh, We're going to start in Exodus 13, 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. He's feeling really proud of himself with the answer, I think. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes and he says, this is not good. You're going to wear yourself out. And the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me. And let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative for God, bringing their disputes to them, teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions, show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150 and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's commons disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. Verse 23, if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures. Does anybody want to endure the pressures? And all these people will go home in peace. Amen. Here we not only see how you can save your pastor from a heart attack, but we see the biblical, the Bible's first prescription for an org chart. Simply put, Moses was told to delegate and stop micromanaging. And that's the basis of what we're going to do in our organizing of our work for God. So when you look at an organizational chart, don't see it as a business model. It's actually a Bible model. And there are other references that we could go to, but we won't for time's sake. Our dream team here at The Rock, as I said, is made of many smaller teams. It's only when we all contribute and play our part that that dream becomes a reality. I want to briefly uh, let you know about four practical elements of how our teams will operate as we roll out this teaching. So four things just to start to close out this teaching. First of all, I want to talk to you about team formation. Here are some basic principles for us. 
Each function of the church has a team. Every single function of this house will have a team built around it. Each team has an objective. It will be short and simple, but will ensure that the team knows exactly what they are formed to achieve. Each team has a leader. I think there's a graphic for this one. Um, Laura, yeah, there we go. Thank you. Sorry, I forgot who was on there, but I did speak to you before. Uh, each team has a leader and members. Each leader will ideally be given direction to around five people in their team. Some may be less, especially whilst we build teams up. But the important thing is this, that no one works alone. That's going to be one of the mantras that we're going to be talking to you about. No one is going to work alone at the rock anymore when we start to roll this teaching out. And wherever, uh, wherever possible, each member has a role and a responsibility. Let's look at how that works out practically as we look at our second element here, team structure. A typical team structure can be seen in this next graphic. This shows the formation of the executive leadership team, also known as the ELT. So this is a new team. This is going to be the foundation of all teams, the foundation of the larger dream team. Every team finds its origins in this team. The ELT covers areas, uh, all areas of church life. We've divided them, as you can see, into five. First, we have community, which is covered by SOF. I don't know whether you probably can't see the smaller writing, but hopefully you can see the main elements. Uh, this covers all operations at Luttrell Hall, Little Rockets, and any other community project or event that we get involved in. Next, we have church gatherings, which are in the capable hands of Kathy. The majority of activities there are Sunday services like this, but also covers RPMs, Legends Nights, barbecues, and, and any other event where the church gathers. Then we have discipleship being led by Lynn. This is where mentoring small groups sit. Remember, courses and interest groups are also part of small groups. Next comes serving, which sees Simon at the helm. This covers the whole process of starting the growth track through to getting trained and on board a team. And finally, we have Kate, uh, who's looking after our core ministries. And these cover children, youth, men, women, prayer, worship, and pastoral care. Each of these areas have teams born out of them. So they're all going over and above um, into that space where my body is on the screen. For example, we can see in the next graphic that Kate's core ministries team consists of Paul, Kathy, Simon, Lynn, Chris, Sandy and Irene, each having their own areas of responsibility with each of those people having their own teams. Teams can grow out of teams as much as they need to. Some functions of church will just need one team coming out of the ELT, but equally other functions might actually grow two or three levels high. This is fully illustrated in our next graphic, which is the complete dream team. Oh, tell me about it. This keeps me up at night and gets me up early in the morning. Uh, this is the dream team as it stands. It doesn't matter that you can't read the details, but the important thing is that you can see how teams grow out of teams. And notice that this isn't your normal business top-down model with a CEO sitting uh, above everyone else. Kingdom business 
is often flipped upside down in comparison to worldly systems. Jesus said he came to serve, and so should we. So you'll see that right at the bottom of the chart is actually the spiritual leadership team, which in essence is our eldership. From there, the ELT get their directives, and then as described, the requirements and the tasks go up and through relevant channels until they find their correct place of action. Which leads us to number three, which is about team priorities. Not only will each team have a function, a leader, and an objective, they'll be working on various priorities. Every team will have a number of priorities at any given time. Depending on what the team is, it might be just one or two, but probably no more than five, because we, we, we need to stay focused. This ensures four things. Firstly, that every team has a potential to play a crucial role in outworking the vision of the church. Secondly, no ministry, project, or group ever stands still, but is always seeking excellence in order to represent our most excellent God. Teams can actively work on real-time issues rather than settle in mediocrity. And fourthly, team dynamics stay fresh as they work together to achieve things rather than stagnating by just going through the motions. Okay, finally, let's look quickly at number four, team meetings. Jesus spent time with his team of disciples. So too, we will spend time with our teams. We understand the pressures of time in our modern day world, but we equally don't want to lose the benefits of relating within teams. And these benefits would include shared ownership of priorities, combined wisdom and ideas, care and support for one another, and relationship building. Teams will meet regularly. Again, we know that time is precious, but we have to invest something if we want to reap something. There's no set directive for how long and how often teams will meet. Each team will be different according to their function and objectives. Some teams will meet for, for say, half an hour on Zoom every week. Uh, but others might meet once a quarter for two hours in person. It will vary. And teams won't meet for the sake of meeting. They will always have a purpose for meeting and some priorities to be accountable for. Moving forward, team meetings will probably look very different to how they look now. They will be shorter, cut into the chase. They will be efficient. In most teams, every member will have a role and responsibility. And they will be fun and exciting. I know you're finding it hard to believe this, but I have faith that our meetings will be fun and exciting as we work together on common goals and build relationships within them. As seen here on our next graphic, the vast majority of meetings will have four common parts to them. In a typical, let's say, one-hour meeting, this might pan out as follows. Ten minutes of reporting in. This is where everybody gives a two-minute review of their area of responsibility. No discussion, no sidetracks, just a headline update of what's been achieved and where we're at. And after that, 30 minutes on priorities, where we work out what needs to be done, by who and by when. This might be within the group, but if there are teams upline, they will be delegated to them, just like as we saw in Moses' illustration. Next up, 10 minutes covering any issues or problems, not just resolving them, but brainstorming how we might be able to turn them into opportunities for our work with God to be even more effective. Then we may end up with 10 minutes of training, which would be a focus on certain parts of these six modules that we're giving now. 
Every person that completes the growth track and tries out a team will first go through these six teachings so that the culture is ingrained and set within every team. But they will also get reminders in team meetings of certain nuggets of teaching as well as um, during our free annual dream team nights. Let's be honest, meetings have the capacity to be draining experiences that we just don't look forward to. Does anybody want to just be honest and put their hand up and think, yeah, yeah, I feel like that sometimes. Okay, thank you. Four of you, the rest of you have cast out that spirit of lies. (laughs) But when the following basic prescriptions that have been described are followed, everyone will feel valued, empowered, and have a sense of achievement. And we're going to look at these principles further next week in uh, Kathy's section. Okay, let me conclude. Time's up. There are still a few of us around from 30 years ago when the congregation who met here, known as West Bridgeford Pentecostal Church, uh, were meeting. Back then, Jeremiah 30, 18 to 21 was used as a vision statement for the church. Let me read it to you, and it's on the screen again. It says, I will restore the fortunes of Jacob's tents and have compassion on his dwellings. The city will be rebuilt on her ruins and the palace will stand in its proper place. This is talking about Solomon's temple being rebuilt when the Israelites regained their land after the exile. But it was pertinent to the church here because just a couple of years prior, the church building was a wooden construction on this site, on this same bit of land. It was rebuilt on its ruins. The scripture then continued into what we believed as a church we would see. It says this, from them will come songs of thanksgiving and the sound of rejoicing. I will add to their numbers. They will not be decreased. I will bring them honor and they will not be disdained. Their children will be in days as in days of old and their community will be established before me. I will punish all who oppress them. Their leader will be one of their own. Their ruler will arise from among them. I will bring him near and he will come close to me. For who is he who will devote himself to be close to me, declares the Lord. This vision, I believe, has been fulfilled in part, but I don't believe in full. I want to say to us this morning that God's word never returns to him void. I believe that there is still an unfolding and a fulfilling of this word for us to complete on our watch as the Rock Church. Yes, the pastor at the time came from within the church as one of their own, but our current pastors were also in that congregation too. I remember as a young Christian at that time having a deep impression in my spirit of a well-oiled machine. Some of you have heard me talk about this before, with many cogs turning other cogs, all working together in order to fulfill the great promises that we believe that I've just read that this that the church would fulfill. Well, this is our watch, and this is our church, and I believe there is unfinished business for us. I believe this organizational structure, this whole teaching, these whole team dynamic is going to be the key for this fulfillment. Just like Moses, as we increase in numbers, we need to increase in efficiency. Just like the explosive start to the early church in Acts 2 needed the organization of Acts 6 to enable its growth. We too need the systems and structures to accommodate the revival that we are believing God for. 
God is an organized God. We are made in his image. So we too should be thoughtful and wise concerning the way that we organize our walk with him and our work with him. The more we embrace this new approach of organization without making it an idol in any way, the more it will serve us to increase in number, start more churches, and see a thriving, charismatic, spirit-filled, Pentecostal presence in the south of Nottingham. 21st century church with true first century power. Thank you.